0: Good morning, beautiful people of City Hope Church. Sabona, Dumelang, Goiimora, Bonjour. If you're joining us online, good morning to you. And a special one for my mom who's watching at home, the lady who prayed for me for 20 years, the prayers without which I definitely would not be standing here. I'm really looking forward to this August, eh? Hope stories. You're going to hear from 14 other people beside us over the next month which is amazing because God's doing work in people's lives, right? And uh, you're going to get to hear those stories. So I encourage you to come along over the next month. Um, Candace and I are, are doing two separate Psalms this morning. I'm doing Psalm 77. She's doing Psalm 121. And I hope that as we journey along these, these two Psalms, that you'll see some of the overlap and some of the synchronization that we trust in God for as we do that. So, Cand, um, you want to tell a bit more about us before we get into it?
1: Yeah, so thank you for allowing us this opportunity to share a little bit of our story with you um i thought i'd just give you a quick snippet into our lives so you could know us a bit better um dean and i've been married for nearly 20 years um, we, well done candle um we met when i was 19 years old um, at the university of stellenbosch where i was not studying a ba in mansuk but a ba in physiotherapy um We joined this church a long time ago, about 15 years ago, when it was still called God First in the Ferndale High School, is where we met, and on our first Sunday we arrived there, I think they were doing a gift day for this property to be bought, and so we've got a long history with this church, and we've seen it go through many, many changes, changes of leadership, changes of, of, of location, but you know, church is about the people and not the building but we are super excited about what's going on outside and the laying of the foundations and the new building we're gonna move into. And so that was someone's dream and vision 16 years ago. Um, we've got three children who are here today. We've got Caleb, who is 16, Rachel, who's 14, and Abby, not to be called Abigail, Abby, who is nine years old. And these three are a delight to us. It's. Having two teen- teenagers in the house is fun. It's mostly, mostly a joy, not always a joy, but it's mostly a joy. Um, and I compare having teenagers in the home to a bit, it's like surfing. You know, you never know what kind of a wave you're gonna get out there. Sometimes it's a dumper, sometimes it's the ride of your life, but we love watching them grow and see who God is um, making them out to be. Little Abs, she's the one who keeps us on our toes as the younger one, and we're the older parents in the grade. And she is a fun-loving, kind little girl who loves a joke.
0: And can I just say that even us two standing here today is proof that gives us, God gives us the desires of our heart. I've, I've known for a long time that I'm, this is the first time we're doing this, right? I've known for a long time that I'm going to stand up one day with my wife on the stage and, and tell a bit of our story. So I'm so grateful to God for that. I call her candle. People keep asking me, why do you call her candle? If you're a biological female, you also can call her candle okay if you're a biological male you must be her son or you must be her dad who invented the name candle or you have have to be in our life group or you have to have known her for five years but otherwise she's candace (laughs) (laughs) and i was only joking oh james that you you went in the danger zone Um, so this morning i'm going to kick off with psalm 77 and um, there are three points it's quite a formal term points and so I've, i said to the 8am gathering this morning i've actually decided to call them offerings so our three offerings this morning are number one that we can cry aloud to god and be certain that he hears us secondly ultimate faith is trusting god when he appears to be doing nothing and then thirdly our help comes from the lord and he is our protector now psalm 77 you would have noticed it's got two sevens in it it's god's number it's the perfect number and it's one number short of the jackpot Eh? i know none of you are gamble but you've seen it on the adverts on TV, so you know that 777 is the perfect number, and I know there are people into numerology here, James, even the other day when he was standing here, you remember he said it's 11, there's that 1111 again, and by some strange God incidence, my father-in-law who's sitting here this morning has the same thing, this 1111 thing, and I hope that they can chat afterwards and work this thing out, but for, for the rest of us, Psalm 77, although it sounds like it might be one of those kinds of psalms, it's not, it's not a psalm of a person living the dream or living their best life. It's rather a psalm of a person with a troubled heart. It's written by a Levite named Asaph, which means a gatherer of the people. So this guy is a leader. Um, he's a gatherer of the people, much like Sierra was standing here this morning or when Duncan stands here. Only thing is, we're not seeing them at their smiley best. We're seeing Asaph, Asaph at his absolute worst and so some psalms like candace's one that you'll hear go straight into hope others like my one because i'm a bit of a slow learner um we grapple and we gnaw and we contend and we wrestle with god before we get to the place of hope so i I like to say like my my psalm starts like fight song and ends our hope with hope song and the truth is that for the past few years i've been a bit like asaph Um, this year God's been speaking to me he's been speaking to us about his presence and this psalm shows us that it's that it's possible maybe even desirable to go into God's presence when we're at our worst when we are disappointed when we are angry when we are disillusioned when we're wondering whether he's even there we can go into his presence like that but because he's God if we truly meet with him he won't leave us just like that and so before we get into this morning I just want to pray for us heavenly father thank you that we can even say heavenly father because of what Jesus has done, that we can come into your presence as your sons and daughters with all of our mess, with all of our disappointments, with all of our disillusionments and Lord, that we can meet you there. Lord, thank you that you have declared through the pages of scripture and through the stories of our own lives that you are faithful. Help us to remember, help us to run to you and won't you do us much good this morning as we we learn from Asaph um, and from Psalm 121. In Jesus name Amen okay let's get into it so I'm reading Psalm 77 verses 1 to 13 Um, it goes like this I cry aloud to God and in case you didn't get it the first time aloud to God and he will hear me in the day of my trouble I seek the Lord in the night my hand is stretched out without wearing now here last week that Mads had someone demonstrating weariness of the arm this guy says his arm is not wearing my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. doesn't say I feel, when I remember God, I feel safe. When I remember God, I moan. Interesting. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot even speak. This guy's blaming God for his sleeplessness. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. And then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever, never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High, to the government of God. I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all of your works and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy, is set apart, is different to the way we think. What small g-god, G-O-D, is great like our capital G, God? And so that leads me into our first offering of the morning, which is we can cry aloud to God and be certain that he hears us. Um, Verse one is up on the screen. Now, does that sound like... A worship song you know i will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart no it doesn't now i know some of you are thinking now he's dissing that so i'm not dissing that one it's beautiful okay but this what i'm saying is this psalm doesn't start there or shout for joy all the earth you know what psalm that is psalm 66 <laughs> one short um this is the psalm of the person who's just lost a friend This is the psalm of the person who's just lost a job or a house or a business. It's the psalm of those who are concerned about their kids' futures or their parents' futures or their cancer diagnosis or about the safety and security of their kids in the future after politicians sing songs about death in stadiums. It's a psalm for the brokenhearted, the addicted, the afflicted and the downright depressed, which is good news for all of us. Sierra's already touched on it this morning. There's a Google Trend search data for South Africa on finances, and the most popular search terms in the year 2023 are how to make more money, when can I cash in my old age pension, and how soon can I cash in my retirement annuity. For us closer to home, just to let you into a bit of insights in our life, Candice and I know what it's, what it's like to be told that you'll, by doctors that you'll never have children naturally. And by the grace of God, we have three naturally, absolute miracles, all of them. I uh, 16 years ago, when Caleb, when Caleb just before Caleb was born, I I got a back injury, fairly severe back injury. I've lived with that for 16 years. Doctors told me that I wouldn't be the dad that picks up trailers and bricks and children and all of that. And we walked out of there, and I said, "Thank you for doctors," but I'm trusting God with this. I I, I don't I, I don't accept those words. There was a day when and I, i'm still aware of it right now as i stand here but there was a day where i couldn't lift my right foot um off the ground and a couple of weeks ago my son and i did bergen bush i've run a couple of races and this is not glory to me this is glory to god but he's answered the prayer in a different way to what i expected and i'm still trusting him uh, in that i know what it's like to support a close family member who's been through the worst kind of trauma who's been through depression multiple hospitalizations for depression psychosis and everything in between I know what it's like to be part of a business for seven years invest blood sweat tears money into that business nine million rand over seven years all to see it all go down the drain we started an aquaculture business using heat from furnaces to heat water to farm fish and those of you that track the fish story will know that fish populations in the wild are dwindling That the sizes of those fish within those populations are dwindling and they often often contaminated with microplastics all this while the consumption of fish in the world is going up so it was like a dead cert you farm fish close to the market in clean water what can possibly go wrong we prayed and this is what happened we have to deal with these kinds of things i know what it's like to lose a parent to suicide and candace and i both know what it's like to hold A very sick child in your arms who's close to death's door which she'll speak about a bit later and as I was praying for you guys this week I felt God prod me that many of you guys are going through some of the same afflictions some of you some of you are struggling to have kids and you're sad some of you have kids and you're sad because they're sick or they're self-destructing and some of you have had your kids taken away and you're sad this is Psalm 77. ka jackpot. It's not that Psalm. But as I've gone through and we've gone through our own struggles, my posture, I've, I've become aware, is very much like Asa's. And that encourages me greatly because it tells me that we can be like that. But I've also discovered something, something that is contrary, totally contrary to human thought. And it's this, that God actually enjoys my company enjoys your company even when you're at your worst maybe especially when you're at your worst I mean just think about this when your kid gets into trouble right does it bring you joy and happiness when they run away and they stonewall you and they go talk to someone else no you love it when your kid runs to you you put your arms around and you love them through it and God is just like that with us there's no rebuke here from God of Asaph, Asaph don't sort yourself out and come back to me later. There's just a loving, patient Father. And we sing all glory to the Son because we can call Him Father now. Without Jesus doing what He did, we cannot call God Father. We cannot be His children. That's why we sang those words this morning. And so we have a patient Father who's always listening. We sometimes make the mistake of thinking we have to go clean ourselves up first. If you don't yet know Jesus, you think you have to go clean your life up before you can come to him. You're wrong. For those of you who do know Jesus, many of you who are old enough will remember this, that advert of Omo in the 80s, where there's a helicopter and a very dirty sheet. And the this hel- this sheet is hanging below the helicopter. It's filthy. It gets dipped into the Omo-soaked water of an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Out it comes and it's clean. And even after knowing Jesus, you think you have to go clean yourself up before you can come into his presence. Because you've disappointed him or he's disappointed you. And you're wrong. This psalm teaches us that we must go to Jesus in our worst moments. Let's turn our attention again to Asaph. He says this. He says, confidently he will hear me. Not perhaps he'll hear me. Maybe he'll hear me. God will hear me. Be careful we don't fall in the trap of thinking God only hears certain people. Maybe you think he only hears men or pastors or successful people or adults. Kids, God can speak to you. God will speak to you. He listens to you. We see this demonstrated in the story back in Genesis 16 where we've got Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Right? Abraham is married to Sarah. They want to have a kid. They're battling to have kids. God has the previous chapter said to Abraham, that I will make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you kids. And Sarah, a couple of years go by, they don't have a kid. Sarah comes up with this terrible plan because she wants to get a kid whatever way it takes. And so she says to Abraham, you go do the deed with Hagar and we'll get a kid like that. She sins against Hagar. She sins against Abraham as well. And Abraham sins against both of them as well. And it's a disaster. But in that moment, who does God speak to? He doesn't speak to Abraham, he doesn't come to Sarah, he comes to Hagar. Hagar, the emotionally wounded one, Hagar, the spiritually and physically wounded one, he comes to her and he listens to her and he speaks to her. Hagar, Hagar was never first in anyone's life. She couldn't even count on the man that was carrying her child. And so she must have felt like a bit of a piece on a board game, just pushed around the board for the benefit of other people's lives. And then God comes and talks to her and he says this through the angel. He says, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. God wants to listen to your affliction. Hagar even gets to name God. The only person in the Bible who personally names God and she names him El Roy, which means the god who sees and then ishmael means the god who hears some of you remember that song shiny happy people by rem in the 90s candace's favorite band rem see we're not shiny happy people the bible's message is not come to jesus and all your problems go away the bible's message is overarchingly my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness tim keller says this that the basic premise of religion that if you live a good life things will go well for you is totally wrong jesus was the most morally upright person who has ever lived and yet he had a life filled with poverty rejection injustice pain and torture so you don't behave your way unto salvation you believe unto salvation and if jesus suffered those things we mustn't be surprised when we do too when things go wrong in relationships marriage human bodies businesses life R.T. Kendall has written a, br- a brilliant book called Did You Think to Pray? And he says this, that nothing passes by the throne of grace without God's careful attention. God gives as much attention to denials of prayer as he does to approval of them. He acts on every request that comes to him in the name of his son. And therefore, unanswered prayer is part of God answering our prayers because he hears. Which leads me to my second point, in that or offering, uh, and that is that ultimate faith is trusting God when he appears to be doing nothing. Verses 6 to 9, I'm not going to read it again. You'll see it up on the screen. But here's where Asaph puts his faith into action. And it's precisely when God appears to be not listening and doing absolutely nothing. Now, let me tell you guys this. I've seen the power of God. I've experienced an amazing salvation. He's changed me given me new life, put new desires in me, made me a new creation. I've seen him give us kids when doctors said we would not have kids naturally. I've seen him heal people. I've seen demons flee from people. I've seen the power of God. I believe the power of God. And I believe Jesus' words in John 14, which says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, bit of a sidebar. I think a lot of us think that when we pray, if we just say, in Jesus' name, what's, what's James's phrase? Automagically. Automagically, everything just happens. Now, it's right to pray in Jesus' name because we, Jesus himself teaches us we pray to the Father through the Son. But just tacking on those words to the end of a prayer is not what it means to be in Jesus' name. Our recent Holiness Series is what it means to be in Jesus' name. So if you are spending time with Jesus, if you are obeying Jesus, Then you are in Jesus' name because you are abiding in Jesus. John 15 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I love Psalm 37, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But after 22 years of following Jesus, wrestling with God at various times, there's still some of my prayers that appear to be unanswered or incompletely answered, not the way that I intended them to be answered. My back still hurts every day. Our business is not as influential or profitable as i'd like it to be which i'm still trusting god for the leadership of our nation right all of us are praying for that at the moment we the men's group every wednesday we pray for that we've been doing that for three years we still haven't seen righteous vision come for our nation and so some of our prayers remain god has heard us but they remain unanswered for now just last month our little daughter rachel went off to malta on a gymnastics tour and we prayed lord will not you keep her healthy injury free she's been training for 10 years with her four friends who are now going on this this competition in a on a foreign land without their parents and please won't you just give her keep her healthy for the competition two days before the competition she injures her knee badly on the beam it all turned out well in the end okay but it was a proper growth spurt for us Twelve thousand kilometres away in faith, and it was a proper growth spurt for her of being gritty and trusting God in that moment. Um, and so we have to deal with these and many other apparently unanswered questions. And so sometimes we're tempted to wonder, "Is He a cruel God, a sadist who enjoys denying our prayers?" And then I remember, no, He's He's given me new life. I've experienced His salvation. I've seen Him do miracles before. He's forgiven my sins. How on earth can he be a cruel God maybe he's a weak God maybe he's not able to answer our prayers but I've seen him do as I've said multiple miracles he's not a weak God so then what's he up to and I think the answer in answering that we must be like Asaph we need to go and examine the scripture we need to remember God's promises his nature his character which never change we need to remember the things that he's done in our own lives I mean Candace Candace and I over the last week have been going through God's faithfulness it's, It is such a good thing to do. We don't do it enough. Go through God's faithfulness in your own life, which might be one week and it might be 30 years. When we do that and we look at Asaph and we do what Asaph did, we run to him. We recognize that he's God and we're not, that he's a good God, his nature never changes. And that, dear friends, is how I get from my fight song to my hope song. We've got to let him be God while we persistently run to him. And know that he's heard us. Have you ever noticed that some prayers get answered immediately? Some of them only years later and some of them apparently never or not yet. This property is a prime example. This property was bought in 2009 when we were still at God first. It then took another eight years and I think we nearly sold it three times. And it took eight years for something to start happening when we moved in here. And many times we were wondering, has has God really spoken? Because when it was bought, we believed that God had spoken. And so we had to wait and be patient in those years. There was a sign before this property was bought. There was a sign on this road that was Jabez Village. The previous owners were going to call this place Jabez Village. And if you know the prayer of Jabez, it is God that you would bless us and enlarge our territory, which is exactly what he's doing now, seven, eight, nine, ten years later. Um, So some prayers get answered way later than we would hope. This even happened in Jesus' day when we look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was Mary's sister, so Jesus' aunt. And um, Zechariah and Elizabeth are, are married and they pray for a kid and nothing happens. They were heard, but they were given no visible evidence that they were heard. God didn't send them a WhatsApp and say, I've heard you and I'll answer you in 20 years' time. And then 20 years later, God sends an angel to say to Zechariah that God has heard your prayer. And you can imagine Zechariah. I mean, I'm sure he's been praying other prayers, but he goes like, what prayer? God goes that one from 20 years ago. And like that, they, they must have been disappointed, right? In the, after year one, two, three, luckily Elizabeth didn't think like Sarah and go try and make her own plan. Four, five six seven eight my mother prayed for my father and i to come to christ for 20 years it's a word for some of you this morning you need to be persistent praying for those people that you're thinking about right now and we should all be glad that god eventually honors zechariah zechariah and elizabeth's prayer but we can also be glad that he doesn't answer all of our prayers the way that we expected him to he does another case study it's the story of Lazarus so you've got Mary and Martha Jesus friends and they've got a brother Lazarus who's really sick and they pray Jesus please come and heal our sick brother Lazarus Jesus does not come that's an unanswered prayer he lets Lazarus die and then he rocks up a few days later with a, a far grander plan a far better plan which he's kept a secret from them which is to raise Lazarus from the dead how were they responding in that, those moments, those days when Lazarus died? Were they doubting? Were they disappointed? We should never underestimate what God could be up to when we don't get our own way straight away. You see, disappointment actually gives us another chance to run to Him, to believe in Him, to go back to Him, to persevere in His presence, to get his, know His character even better. When a prayer gets answered do we say thank you and carry on talking to god sometimes and we must equally be careful that we don't when we don't get our own way start stonewalling him and thinking oh well he doesn't care about that thing he didn't care about it last year so he won't care about it now we need to run back to him and we run back to him because we know that jesus has made a way for us to speak to a good father if you're still skeptical about Jesus and who he is, and you're thinking to yourself, seeing is believing, I want to tell you this morning that the Bible says exactly the opposite. It says that believing is seeing. Because if you have already seen, you've ruled out the vital ingredient that is called faith. Faith in the one who has told us who he is in Scripture. Faith in the one who has transformed our lives. Faith in the one that you have seen do miracles amongst other people. It's the same God. And maybe you and I will one day be able to say that God accomplished more Jesus likeness, more spiritual formation through our unanswered prayers than through the ones that He answered. Let that be true of us. When things go wrong, as they sometimes do, that poem, let us run to God, not away from God. Unanswered prayer is often a good thing for us because we'll get what we need from our Father in heaven and not what we thought we wanted. A guy once wrote a song called Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. And uh, I can concur because if God had answered some of my earlier prayers, which were actually prayed to him before I was even a Christ follower, I probably would never have met Candace. I would not have these children. And I probably would have been living a very self-destructive life. I've said a lot.
1: like you could all go home now um okay so the psalm which has always been close to my heart is psalm 121 and this psalm gives fills me with a lot of hope and you may be familiar with it especially the first two verses but we are going to read it together um also this verse became very real to me in 2020 as the covid pandemic hit because i was in the middle of a bible study doing the psalm of ascents and um, we had to recite this for about four weeks nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So just to give you a little bit of context about this psalm, it is one of the psalm of ascents, which there are 15 psalms of ascent, and they go from Psalm 120 to Psalm 135. And these psalms were written, or they were rather sung by the Israelites as they embarked on their journey up to Jerusalem. Um, to celebrate the great feasts. Um, The journey to Jerusalem was a very treacherous one for many of them, as they had nowhere to sleep, and the road was very uneven, and the fear of what was out there was very real to them. And these travelers were often attacked along the way, um, and they certainly didn't have the latest Nike Air Forces to be walking in, because it was a barefoot journey for them. And so this psalm depicts all the insecurities which are common to those traveling long distances in open elements just because we won, we'll also call it offerings, but these are my, t- my two offerings. And the first one is that my Lord comes from the Lord, my help comes from the Lord, and the second one, the Lord is our protector. So do we really believe that our help comes from the Lord? Do we trust Him with our lives, with the lives of our children, with the circumstances we find ourselves in? So I've been a physio for over 20 years now, and much of my life has been spent listening to patients, trying to understand where their pain is coming from, Uh, trying to figure out the source of the pain and then trying to work through that to to treat that actual pain. But it's almost like if you take an onion and you take it layer by layer off because deep inside there is sometimes the root of that problem and that pain, but you have to start by taking off little layer by little layer. And this process, for some people, is very quick and you get a result quickly, and for others, it takes a long time to get to that source. Our son, Caleb, hurt his foot a couple of years ago. Um, one day he was running a race, and the next day he couldn't walk. And this started a very long journey for me, about 18 months long, of trying to get to the bottom of this pain. Uh, this pain became very debilitating for him. He was put into a cast, couldn't play sport anymore, and we had to see plenty of doctors, had, have MRIs, seek specialists on this. And nothing I could do as a physio would take away his pain. And I found myself completely gripped with fear. Would he be able to play sport? Would he walk again pain-free? It it was a terrible time for me, and it lasted a long time. And for 18 months, I rubbed his foot, and I prayed for my little boy every night. I breathed, and I looked up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So I got to the end of me. And I'm not sure if you're sitting here, and you've got to the end of you ever, and there's nowhere else to turn. And the only place to turn is to lift your eyes to the hills, to look to the Lord for the help that you're looking for. The fear inside of me was gripping me. I wasn't sleeping at night. I'd wake up at two in the morning and not be able to fall asleep again. All the questions. You see, a lot of what fear is, is based on what we can't see. A dear friend of mine who runs the nursery school where our children had been and where Abby at the time was at nursery school, she called me into her office one day, and she said to me, tell me what's going on in your life because you look like you've got the world on your shoulders. And so together with her, we started unpacking everything. Uh, we prayed through so many fears, and she walked this journey with me of, of, of really handing this over to the Lord. And there were times when I left her office and I'd sit in my car and I'd just weep at the fact that I hadn't trusted God with this and I tried to take it into my own hands. I was busy doing a 40-day prayer journal on my own at the time and I was praying for the kids and I was still praying for Caleb's foot and all the while I was doing this, the maker of heaven and earth was hearing my prayers. And even though I felt like he was not hearing me at all, my fear had to be replaced with faith. And towards the end of those 40 days, Dean and Caleb were cycling in the Sun City cycle race on a tandem and it was the only thing Caleb could do and they were hit by a taxi. And the girls and I were in the hotel room and i had calculated the finish time and my phone rang. And I thought it was Dean phoning me. And I thought to myself, well, surely I haven't miscalculated this because it's a joke in our family that I'm the best at maths. So I wouldn't have messed that up. But anyway, he phoned and he said, we've had an accident, but I'm fine. And we are fine. And so they were fine. They had road burns across their bodies, but they were alive and they had no broken bones. Um, Incidentally, the guy who was riding next to them actually passed away three days later from a head injury. But that night at dinner, Caleb said to me, Mom, my foot pain's gone. And so you may be wondering, like, what is that? You know, if you understand physiology of pain, it could be the pain gate mechanism where one pain kicks out another pain in the brain. And, but I've actually given up wondering about that now and trying to understand it because actually this was God's way of answering my prayer. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't understand how God was gonna take this pain away from him, but he did. And, and he is an amazing God that he, he took that and he did it in a completely different way I would have had it done so if we look at these two photos on the screen in a lala, okay um, the first the first photo was taken apologies
0: for um, <coughs> some half nakedness
1: <laughs> I said to Dean you wouldn't have to worry about that no one would recognize us because it was such a long time ago but anyway so that's a picture of us in the late 1990s um, at my dad's place in the Drakensberg And the picture on the right, okay, you can see the quality of the first picture. is probably on a little point-and-shoot pink camera, but the one on the right is the iPhone picture, and that was taken about 18 months ago. But it's actually in the same spot. And the point is, is that that mountain is the same. Okay, so it's 30 years later, and that mountain hasn't changed, okay? The snow comes, the snow goes. The rain clouds come, the rain clouds go. Sometimes you can't see the mountain, but that mountain remains the same. And our God is that mountain. Our God is worthy, and he is trustworthy. And there are places where only God can go if you feel at the end of, of yourself and you've got nowhere else to go. We need to go to God who, who loves us and who cares for us and who knows us by name. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace. whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You see, in your valley, you may feel helpless and vulnerable and small, but on the edge of that valley is a mountain, because a valley can't form without a mountain on the side of it. So run to the mountain. A friend of mine in the first service, she was here listening, and she's in a deep valley at the moment, even the valley of the shadow of death. We don't know. But you see, Hebrews, 8, Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Malachi 3 verse 6 says for either Lord do not change you see God is the same always and he never changes he's always good he's always loving and he's always all-powerful no matter how things around us change we can trust that God stays the same so this may just be a story about a foot but the greatest story is that pain can be your friend and even tremendous pain because if we take our pain to God and allow God to use it for good yeah so let's let's re- refocus on that Psalm again So I don't know about you, but I love to sleep, okay? It's one of my favorite things to do, especially since I've had children. And I recently listened to a podcast on sleep, okay? It's so beneficial for us, both physically and mentally. And so much physical healing takes place while we're sleeping. And this podcaster was saying that her superpower is to be able to catnap during the day. And I feel like this is completely my superpower because I can sleep anytime, anywhere, fall asleep in 30 seconds, wake up after 15 minutes and be ready to go. So the Bible speaks a lot about sleep. And here are just a few reminders. In Psalm 4 verse 8, it says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And Proverbs 3 verse 24 says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And Matthew 11 verse 28 come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest I recently found a quote from John Piper and it says sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God so sleep is a good thing but in verse 3 in that Psalm it says he who keeps you will not slumber he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep and this is a very big comfort for me As I'm sure it was a very big comfort for the Israelites as well because their journey was often more than a day away and they had to sleep in the open elements exposed to everything and they reassured themselves that the Lord would not blink an eye so God has a watchful eye over us all the time and there isn't a minute that goes by when he isn't attentive to us so we can sleep knowing that God isn't and the last offering I have is the Lord is your keeper so in verse 5 it says, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. For those of you at Institute, you may have heard of this guy called Hans Joachim Kraus. I had to look him up a bit, but he wrote a commentary on the Psalms, and he wanted to translate the Hebrew as literally as possible. And so the Hebrew of verse five is, Yahweh is your protector, is your keeper. And this really is the overarching theme of the Psalm. If you look at the original version in Hebrew, There are 58 syllables before that phrase, and there are 58 syllables after that phrase. And it's almost like that phrase comes alive as you read it, that Yahweh is your protector. And so I love this because it just paints a picture of how well-constructed these Psalms are and how deliberate our God is, because He does nothing on a whim. In 2019...
0: It was inevitable.
1: And my mom, who's sitting here. Um, she went in for a routine eye op, And she developed a clot. And she ended up being put onto warfarin. Um, but a week later, she went for a um, gastroscopy, which was not a normal gastroscopy. It was a little bit more intricate and... Um, The doctor nicked something inside of her, basically, and she came home, and she was fine, and two days later, she was feeling very unwell and ended up back in hospital. And things sort of deteriorated from there, as they do medically, and she ended up um, having to be taken to ICU and given blood transfusions, and she had developed pancreatitis. It It was a very surreal time for me as are we very close and from being a perfectly normal fit person to being yellow in ICU and having pancreatitis and nearly not going to make it I had to dig deep to really trust God in this in this circumstance and I remember walking around her ICU room and I remember praying scriptures declaring God's word over her especially Psalm 34 verse 7 which says the angel of the lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them and i was just standing on that promise lord you will you say you will put your angels around her and you will deliver her but i lifted my eyes to the hills and where did my hope come from because yahweh is our protector and her days are numbered and yahweh is her protector too and so i believe that god did do a miracle in my mom that day as she walked out of icu quite weak, but five days later she went home and she sits here to tell a story today so who are you going to trust in those deep, deep dark times where is your help going to come from I've held Abby in my arms when she was three years old at Santon Clinic and she was so sick and she was completely gray and Vaughn was there he came to see us and I just declared God's word over her and asked God to intervene in her little life And she had a burst appendix and she was hours away from septicemia and not making it through the night you see human health is wonderful but it's always human because yahweh is our keeper so it seems in my life that god is asking me to trust him with many physical ailments it's as though he's checking that i know that he is the maker of heaven and earth and everything in it he's so deliberate our god is so deliberate in the details that after walking a journey of infertility, where I'd done many pregnancy tests, I found out I was pregnant on Dean's birthday. I mean, a God who would celebrate a birthday with us. I had a loan, I'd bought a physio practice in the early days and I'd taken a loan out from my dad and I was pregnant and I was, I was wondering how I was gonna pay this, these installments off while I was off on maternity leave. And my dad phoned me one day and he said to me, well, he was never calculating interest And you see me being the mathematician, I'd worked it all out already. And anyway, so I ended up paying off my last installment of that loan as I went off on maternity leave because I have a good earthly father, but we have a great heavenly father and who cares about the timing of everything in our lives. In our city group, which James calls the mini church, we've seen the hand of God over so many situations, both big and small. We have prayed for so many things and God has come through. If we go back to verse five, it continues to say he is your shade because not only does he protect us he also refreshes us and in John 14 John 4 verse 14 says but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal love so as the Israelites Israelites ended their journey up to Jerusalem to celebrate it made the journey all the worthwhile and we also need to keep the end goal in sight when we're facing hard times, that this home is a temporary home for us. And it would be fitting to end what Jesus said at the, at the end of one of the feasts in John 7, verse 37. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Because Jesus is the water that refreshes us. And we as a family, we try and build altars along the way. We try to remember the things that God has done in our lives. We speak about them, we teach our kids about them, because so we want them to remember the faithfulness that God has shown to us. So when times are tough, we need to remember God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who helps us, who never slumbers, and who is our protector.
0: He who finds a wife-like candle finds a good thing. Guys, in conclusion and as the band comes up, I want us to turn back to Psalm 77, uh, verses 10 to 13, which is up on the screen. It says this, Asaph is now, trouble has come to Asaph. Asaph is responding. And then he said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all of your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What small God is great like our big God. And so this morning as we conclude, I hope you've heard the hearts. I hope you've heard what God is saying. I hope if you've got trouble in your life, which will come, it's not if, it's when if you've got trouble in your life, that you will run to Jesus. If, you, if trouble comes in your life and you haven't yet run to Jesus, run to Jesus this morning. Because of Jesus, we can approach Him. Because of Jesus, He hears us. Because of Jesus, He has the power to overcome the, all of these things. He's got the power to heal. He's got the power to restore. He's got the power to make whole. He's got the power to change minds. He's got the power to change hearts. He's got the power to change circumstances. Sometimes He won't change your circumstances, but He's promised you He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you through the valley and He will be with you on the mountaintop. And so whether it's going well with you or not well with you, you're still better than you should be. When people ask you, how are you? Say, I'm better than I should be. Because it's true. If we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell. And so this is a gracious God. We get to enter into the throne room of grace of our heavenly father. You think you've had a good father on earth? You ain't seen nothing yet. You've got a good father in heaven. So as we stand this morning, let us maybe just respond as we run to God. Lord, thank you that we can even call you father. Thank you for these stories through these two Psalms of how you are a mountain who will never be moved, of how we can come to you just as we are, with problems big and small. How we can be honest with you, how we don't need to clean ourselves up before we come to you because you clean us up. How we don't need to behave unto salvation because we believe into Jesus and what he's done on the cross for us to be saved. And then we live out of that in terms of our behavior. As each of us now think, Lord, about our various troubles, our cares, our burdens, let us remember that we have a friend in Jesus. That song goes, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry some things. No, everything. Good, bad, and ugly to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we stonewall Jesus and don't take everything to our Father in prayer. Father, I want to pray for us this morning. As we do that, And we remember prayers that were prayed long ago that seem unanswered. We remember the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. As we think about your goodness in the pages of Scripture, your faithfulness in the pages of Scripture, your faithfulness in our own lives, we want to say that we will be ones who build monuments so that when the storms come, we remember. When the storms come, we plant a flag. And we say like Job, even though he slay me, yet will I put my faith in him. Because I remember his character, his nature, his promises, which are the same yesterday, today and forever. Father, make this true amongst your children. And for those who don't know you this morning, Lord, I pray that they would take a step of faith. Because believing is seeing. And if you do that this morning and you run to your Father in heaven for the first time through his Son, Jesus... I want you to come to me afterwards and tell me that you've done that. Lord, you are so good. We love you. We worship you. As we sing now, we want to sing as ones who are free and ones who will live differently from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.